With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back. Professional Rookies Podcast. And this is a transition week for us. It is. First four, we kind of did background... Stuff on our lives, kind of behind-the-scenes stories. Um, some people liked it. Some people said, shut up and get to true crime. So that's what we're doing. It's, we like to call it crime and sports. And so because I have a feeling, because I have a feeling that we're going to get some new listeners. We hope. We hope. Uh, just a, a quick recap. I'm Rini Angolia, one of the hosts. Uh, I'm a college football analyst for ESPN. I am a uh, retired police detective, 20-plus years in law enforcement. My co-host, sitting uh, across from me here, Detective Brian Ferreira, affectionately known as Beef, is a current detective, spent most of his life in violent crimes, homicide for a long time, uh, investigates drug overdoses, which unfortunately is prevalent in our society now with so much fentanyl out there. Yeah. We'll have to do a podcast a on that society. but we told the listeners we wanted their um input and so one of the listeners said hey for your first true crime crime and sports can you do aaron hernandez yep. along with cte obviously was a, a story in that case and i said you know what yes and i have the perfect person to bring on if i can get them on um so without further ado our first ever guest yes for this podcast uh he knows more about the aaron hernandez topic uh than anyone out there he's a yahoo sports national columnist new york times best-selling author and he was the executive producer of the netflix documentary uh the killer inside the mind of aaron hernandez but his biggest uh accolade if you will which i think is he graduated from the university of massachusetts and he used to write for the daily collegian so welcome in the one and only dan wetzel dan how you doing buddy i can say i knew you went i can say i knew you went <laughs> listen i'm in my office right here dan we, we do this podcast from my uh my home office in orlando and i have a maroon and white which was like the number 19 that's right it was the magazine that the collegian yep. wrote and that uh, that you wrote that story on me so i look at that every day so every day i walk into my office i look right at it and i think of dan wetzel so there you go you can't there shake is. me can't shake me. Well, you're a hell of a player. I don't, I don't want to um, date us, Dan, but that was 1992, I think, that article. Maybe 93, but 93, what the hell? What's there. a year? <laughs> well, glory days. It was a glory day. I'm glad it was uh, permanently uh, written down. Yeah, like right. Sanskrit or something, yeah. 
The good old days for sure. So well, I think we enshrined it in episode two. I think it was. Yeah, it's, right. It's enshrined now. So in podcast okay, world, yep. in, in podcast history. So uh, I think what we'll do, Dan, is again, thank you so much. I mean, you know more about this topic than anyone. And I'll say this. I went back and watched, and I know Brian did as well. Yeah. I went back and watched the Netflix documentary. Um, and so if you haven't watched it, you need to watch it. If not, if you've watched it, rewatch it. And the thing I'll say that I love, Dan, about the documentary is you don't have to be a football fan. No. And you don't even have to know who Aaron Hernandez is to really uh, get into it. It's, it's such a complex story of what happened. But you did a phenomenal job. And I should say you star in it as well. Uh, well, thank you very much. It is very, very complicated story. Uh, at various times that we were pitching that, project we had anything from um you know like a single well even a single hour to like eight like eight episodes i mean there's so many things that we didn't even get into that you could have got into it is uh it's the most fascinating um story uh just a pure story it's very tragic and all of that in every single way but it's just the, the depth of stuff uh one of the most fascinating stories i ever uh uh, I, I certainly have recovered. And in all fairness, I mean, really, this story, if you will, um, you, you could really do 10 podcasts on it. You could really do a whole season. So we're probably not doing it justice, but we're going to do our best. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to do a little overview, uh, a little case history, like I'm talking to a uh, prosecuting attorney to try to sure. explain kind of the background of the case. And when we get done, we'll just kind of dive into some of the interesting topics. So. You know, Aaron Hernandez from Bristol, Connecticut. So right off the bat, people are like, Bristol, Connecticut. How do I know that? Well, it's the home of ESPN, ironically. I've been there uh, many times. Um, he played at uh, Bristol Central High School, was a phenomenal uh, prep player, phenomenal high school player. I mean, wide receiver, tight end, running back, kind of did it all. Um, was recruited heavily uh, by UConn because that's the – the school right there, right? And so now his, and we'll get into this more, but his his dad, Dennis, played at UConn. His brother, DJ, was a quarterback uh, a couple of years older than, than Aaron, was at UConn. While so they were, while they were a, recruiting yeah, him, so right? Yeah, so from a young age, yep. um, Aaron committed to UConn. He was supposed he to go yep. to UConn. Um, his dad dies suddenly. Uh, he's having hernia surgery, which I, you know, I'm going to be 50. I've had a double hernia yep. surgery. Dies in this surgery. Um, Aaron's 16. He moves out of the house. Things moves in with a cousin, um, which, which was kind of like a mom to him. Things go sideways. He ends up taking a recruiting visit to the University of Florida, uh, and unbeknownst to the UConn coaches and his brother, who was at UConn playing, he commits to Florida. So he goes to Florida, uh, moves down there. I know Dan has a lot of insight on this. Moves down there. He's only seventeen um, when he was graduated and moved down there. So really young, really immature. Is just talked about his dad had just died. Goes down to Gainesville, um, and a lot of off-field issues, which, as I kind of looked back at it, and Florida, Urban Meyer, National Power, a lot of stuff kind of eh, swept under the rug a little bit, as usually happens. I mean, he, there was a bar fight in 2007 where uh, allegedly he refused to pay his bill. The manager said, hey, you got to pay your bill. Yep. He ends up sucker punching punch this him. guy, and, but, and charges don't get filed, so... That gets dropped. And then there was actually a double shooting um, in September of 07 inside a vehicle. Uh, the person actually picked out Aaron Hernandez in a lineup, which you and I know, Beef. <laughs> you, but 
Let me tell people this right here. If you get picked out of a lineup, yeah. that is probable cause to charge the person that was picked. Now, you could say mistaken identity. That's what defense attorneys does. And so as investigators, you and I beef, we, we would like more yes. than just the photo line. Yes. I, I do agree with that. But it's enough to charge someone. It is. It's enough. It's enough to charge. It's not enough to necessarily win a, a case. The difference between charging someone and then proving it beyond yes. a reasonable doubt. But ultimately, uh, that person recanted, I believe. Well, and so yeah. nothing happens there. You're he, done. He goes through his, his UF career, good career as we see, leaves a year early. Now... When the NFL um, vetted him, you know, the combine and all the tests, they, they knew there was some issues in his background. So he was projected to be, I think I want to say, like a second rounder. Yes. Yep, uh, ends up going in the fourth round, and the New England Patriots draft him, right? He's from Connecticut, New England. Gets drafted. Um, they give him a, a little less money, um, you know, I think a little incentive-laden, if you will. But he, he goes to New England. Um, and... Is playing well there. He, he, he does great. But then there's a lot of legal issues um, off the field, obviously. And the main one we'll get into is you have the double homicide of uh, Odin Lloyd, which occurred, uh, I want to say, J- July, excuse me, June 17th of 2013. And we'll get into that. There was another uh, a double homicide where he was uh, ended up being charged where Jose Bias steps in. And is his lawyer. So there's just a, a lot of stuff going on. He becomes but, friends. But I, th- I think for the timeline, I, I think realistically, when you look at it, the the double the, sh- the double murder actually occurred before, it but the did, trial happened for the double correct, murder after the is, first, after the second Odin. Which is very confusing. It the is. Ti- if you try to go on the timeline, the timeline is, it's kind of off of sure. what occurs when he's charged and when it goes sure. to trial. So sure. that's why we need a Dan here. Um, ultimately, though, uh, he... he Gets found guilty of the the murder of Odin Lloyd, which was a completely just a, as I look at it as a detective, <laughs> one of the most sloppiest Sloppy. crimes yeah. you you could ever yeah. see. There was so much circumstantial yeah. evidence there. He he's he's convicted, goes to prison. Um, then he's then he's ends up comes up on trial for the double homicide. That's when Jose Bias comes in, um, and there's a lot of stuff within this that goes on that I want to jump into. Um, his homosexuality, which he never, ever admitted to um, before he ultimately committed suicide um, in in prison. Uh, the abatement law, yeah. I think, is fascinating. I want to touch on that with Dan. And then at the end, you know, his, his family donated his brain to yes. be studied for CT, and he did have advanced CT, so I, I'd like to kind of get into that. So, all right, Dan, that was like the Reader's Digest, like, four-minute version. I know I went yep. through it pretty quick, but... In a, did I kind of encapsulate everything in that quick four minutes? <laughs> uh, not bad, not bad. I would add that uh, Oakland Lloyd was the uh, boyfriend of his of Aaron's fiance, so he like kind of one of the murder victims was a potential brother-in-law. Sure, like that's crazy. And then the two sisters, of course. But uh, it has nothing to do with Aaron. But they split. One supported Aaron. One didn't. Obviously. Um, so that was a drama too, although that doesn't really have anything to do with this, but it's, it was added, added craziness. Again, two sisters on either side of the courtroom, which you're just not going to see every day. Yeah. So 
let's just let me start at the, in the early years, if you will. So there was allegations, and I, I'm pretty sure, and tell me, then they were proven. So uh, we believed uh, that Aaron was sexually abused by a babysitter in his early years. Uh, I talked about his dad, Dennis, who played at UConn, and his dad, Dennis, from what I could um, look at, was just just this tough, hard nosed guy that kind of kept Aaron and his brother DJ in line, but. His father, I believe, was also abusive to his mom. So Aaron saw domestic violence in the home, sexually abused. So kind of really a tough upbringing. Would, would, would that be correct, Dan? Yeah. Um, uh, DJ Hernandez wrote this in a book and, and said on different uh, shows that Aaron was, uh, was abused by a babysitter. So we know that. Um, the home was uh, violent, uh, hence, uh, uh, Dennis Hernandez was, uh, by all accounts, a very forceful guy around town and, and obviously it is since of his mother. So it was not a happy, tranquil, uh, childhood. Um, even though it had some of the trappings of it, like when you go to their house, there's a white fence around the yard. It's not a, you know, they didn't grow up wealthy, but they didn't grow up poor. Um, you know, the kids were always playing sports. These were, you know, obviously Aaron's a world-class athlete. DJ, DJ was a starting quarterback in Division One for years. So a very, very good athlete. Um, so there was a bit of it. It, it looked good, but uh, like a lot of homes when you go inside. But he was not from a city. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, and this kind of got painted that way a little bit later, and I think a lot of Urban Meyer kind of had some of this. It wasn't like he was... Um, you know, from a town that was overrun with like, you know, yeah. gang wars or, or, or shootings or things like that. Um, so it's a little bit of a dichotomy. But what looked what looked fairly nice, fairly basic working middle class family uh, was was had a lot of trauma inside of it. And Dan, can I ask a question? You know, it almost sounds like this keeping up with the appearances is something that caused a lot of angst in Aaron's life. Would you agree with that? Like maintaining that that uh, air of everything's okay at home and I'm you know straight those kinds of keeping up appearances. Do you think that added to his his like almost like self loathing? I would I would think so. Yeah, I think Aaron in in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, look, you look at this guy; he's kind of the all American all American kid, right? Right. And you see the pictures, the big smile. Uh, you know. He starred in every sport. Right. I mean, they, they thought he was a hell of a baseball player, track and field 
Uh, he played basketball. He, he was a really good basketball player. Um, right. You know, he wasn't going to be NBA level because of his height, but he played on DJ teams two years up. And then obviously in football, it was, just, it was a man against boys. So you have this whole look, and at the same time, he's hiding his true identity. Right. Um, it's like a house of cards, basically. I, it, exactly. And that's, I think, what... So, so from a very early age, um, you know, in high school, he's, he's the, he is the, the king of the school, the king of town, and he's got this secret. Yeah. And so I think very early on, he's concealing everything. And that's, if you go through his entire life, he could be, he was a chameleon. Yeah. Um, like he charmed billionaires. Right. right. He, you know, and then at the same time, he's hanging out with drug and, and gun dealers. And, and um, like that entourage, so, it, was a, it, it seemed like that, that just from watching the documentary, it seemed like that entourage was something that it, it almost is expected with a lot of these uh, players that make all this money, you know, these hanger-ons, and, and it's like they, they, they drag him in that wrong direction too. You know, he had so many things going against him, it seems like, uh, even though he's got every, the world at his feet, but he's got a lot of things going against him too, it seems like. Yeah, his, his his entourage though was his creation. Yeah, right, right. Like I think that that's the thing about Aaron, and you know, I, these are probably these are inaccurate generalities that people will have if you don't grow up in a certain community. But you sit there and say, "Oh, my best friend is also in this gang," right. but he was my friend when I was eight years old. Right, right. I'm always going to be loyal to him. Um, the guys later in life that he was around, Alexander Bradley. He didn't know until uh, his junior year at college. Okay. Uh, after his junior year, after his third year at Florida, uh, Carlos Ortiz and Ernest Wallace, who were both charged in the case and were with him the night of the Odd Floyd murder, they were older guys that hung out with his cousin that he brought in to protect him against Alexander Bradley. So none of the people in his life later on that were around him were friends when he was little, except if you remember the, the, the movie. Um, there's a kid Pagoda who's, who's who knew him very young. He's in the movie. Right. Uh, his his fiance and his brother they were all really there the whole time. None of those guys were of any problem at all. But he had his path out. He never really was in trouble. Yeah, he had a clear path to be surrounded by really good people. He chose mainly Alexander Bradley. Uh, he chose that later when it was all right there in front of him, and that has always been one of the the most bizarre points of this is like, why when you've made it, do you choose that? Maybe he's trying to present that. This is the lifestyle of choosing. Yeah. Uh, But it makes no sense. Almost the the tough guy persona. I mean, I've seen it for years as a detective when, when people come in and they're surrounded by all these people. And then when you really break them down and you talk to them one-on-one, it's not who they are. Yeah. Um, But just to, to go back on the earlier, see what I think is just, uh, ir- super ironic, right? We just talked about, okay, um, sexual abuse uh, by a babysitter, uh, you know, dad, kind of that tough guy, some domestic violence with the mom. Uh, Probably perhaps. physical abuse. Physical yeah, abuse. Right, right. But the irony is, Dan, when, when, when Dennis, his dad died, that's what turned him south. Wouldn't you agree? Because although he was in a home like that, his dad kept him, kind of structured does that i mean does that make sense yeah i mean like we may have just delayed the inevitable part who knows but yes dennis fernandez dying was the turning point of aaron's life 
And Dennis Fernandez was controlling, and you know we're not trying to romanticize him at all. Yes, but correct. he had a plan, and he was very smart. And he said, "Look, you're going to go to UConn with your brother. Right? Uh, you're going to do this, this, and this, and then you're going to go to UConn. We're going to run the program. Well, you're the best player UConn had in, in ages. They're going to." bend the program to you. Your brother's going to keep an eye on you on campus. You're going to be right here. Stores Connecticut is a little town in the, in the woods. This is not a, like, we, we've got control, and UConn is good enough of a program, especially back then, yep. right. where you can be the dominant player in this program, but also make the NFL. It will showcase you to make the, you'll be a first-round draft pick. No right. problem. Look at, look, at, look at this kid. And it's a very good plan, right? What happened is Dennis died. Now, two things happened. One, he dies, and all of a sudden, this rock, whether he's all good or all not, this guardian that's clearing him is gone. And then, B, his mother, uh, Terry Hernandez, uh, starts a relationship and ends up moving in with the boyfriend of his cousin, Tanya Singleton. Now, Tanya Singleton was his closest cousin. She's a little older. Uh, but also lived in Bristol, and all of a sudden there's another guy in the house, and there's a rift between the cousin and the mother, and Aaron is, as you would imagine, upset. Um, it's very, very confusing time for a 16, 17-year-old kid to all of a sudden have all this go down, and he takes up with Tanya Singleton. Now, Tanya Singleton's house is way less structured, right? and so that's where there's partying, there's there's some drugs. That's where he meets Carlos Ortiz and Ernest Wallace yeah. and those people. Um, and it's a little more chaotic. And then, again, he, the recruiters are all over. Nobody thinks he should go to UConn. Um, but he was going. Nobody could get by Dennis Hernandez. Well, now that's over. And he takes a visit to the University of Florida. Uh, and if you guys go down to Florida, you show up in Gainesville. Yeah. And there's Urban Meyer. And there's all these guys. And it's like, hey, I'm coming here. Like, what are we doing, right? I'm coming here. He commits on the visit, and all of a sudden, that structure that they had for Aaron and that life plan that, again, may or may not have worked, but it was a plan, is now just like Aaron's doing whatever the hell he wants. I'm going to Florida. And now you go to Florida, you're no longer in charge of the program because they can get another Aaron Hernandez tomorrow. You're the new guy. You, You don't know anybody. You don't have your older brother there. Again, the coaches are like, you're a great player, but we have a lot of, and you have to prove yourself physically and socially yes. uh, every single day. And you're a young kid who just had his father died, is hiding this real identity of his life. Um, and, and like, you know, he, he went, he, they have a thing in NCA, uh, you know, you know, uh, where you can, you can leave, in January of your senior year of high school, and call I think they call it a gray shirt. Is that it? Yeah, gray shirt. And that's when you he, was, se- he was seventeen when he went down there, right? He's seventeen years old. One year after his father dies, all of this going on, and he's gray shirt. He basically graduates high school early so he can get down there and start lifting weights and go through spring practice. This is a kid who needed like to be nineteen going to college. Yeah, yeah, at least. yeah. Well, and, and right. The- and, but, no, I'll say you and you hit on the biggest thing. I think the the social part of it. Let's be honest. Yeah, University of Florida does not recruit many people 
from the state of Connecticut, let alone Bristol, Connecticut. They just don't. There's just so many good players no. that you mentioned. So yeah. there's no doubt in my mind. Now, he's he's got to act out even more. Like, listen, don't try me just because I'm from Connecticut. I'm a tough guy. Yeah. I can do all this stuff. Right. And I think that led, along with the, obviously huge immaturity issues, to all the off-field issues he had. And that's just the off-field issues we know about sure. in Gainesville. I, I want and- I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dan. This is a Florida program that famously, I think, had 37 of its players arrested. Yeah, nuts. And and one of the players not arrested was Aaron Hernandez. He never was actually arrested. Yeah, yeah. So, zero um, discipline. And if he got arrested, maybe that would have helped him, you know? He probably would have, yeah. All they, they had Tim Tebow, and they kind of painted the whole program on Tim Tebow. Yeah. Look, we got Tim Tebow. This is where this, where this, uh, this type of program, and the truth was, it was a pretty wild place. So, yeah, every single way he has to prove himself every single day at Florida. And dad was right. Go to UConn. Relax. We got this. Uh, very savvy way to look at recruiting. And it's very hard to do as a father to say, no, we're not going to the SEC. We're going to UConn. We don't care about national championships. We care about getting you to the NFL. Well, Dan, I was going to say, you look at um... – a father-son relationship and, and you have a father pass away and he had all these wishes and, and, and dreams for his son, you would almost think to honor his father, he would say, I'm going to go to UConn because that was what my dad wanted. You know, he put all his time into me and stuff. And to see him kind of just completely do a, a 180 away from everything that his father had, you know, wanted for him, I think that's uh, that's him rejecting that that uh, authority figure. I, I To me, that's what it seems like. It seems like he lost his moral compass from his father and and... You know, we see it a lot in, in law enforcement where you, these kids kind of, uh, when they don't have that moral uh, authority, they they go with the opposite, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think there's certainly that. And again, like, I think when we get through this, I'll say at the end, you know, like, it's a million little things. Right, right. When you look back. If he had gone to UConn, would he have turned out the same way? Maybe. But. If you look at it, you go, boy, that's a bad idea. I mean, how many, I think we're all parents here, but even if you're just a kid, like how many 17-year-olds are ready to move from Connecticut to Florida to go into a hyper-competitive environment? Like most parents want to say, hey, look, take your time. Like people who have money and don't care, they make their kids take a gap year. Yeah, Even (laughs) older when you go, right? Even older when you go to college. You don't rush your way. Nobody sits there and says, you know, it's a great idea. Let's send this kid down all the way out of state, unsupervised. Let's go, go to Florida. And, and not only are you just trying to, you're not easing into college. It's like you're getting, you're getting crushed. No, it's a recipe. Right it's a recipe for disaster. Absolutely. I, I wouldn't do it for my own children. Correct. I, you know, you'd be like, boy, I don't know. This is not a good pro. I, I, don't, I don't, why would you not just wait? Right. He's only 17. Why would you not wait? Well, they are waiting. And so it is, that is a very, very hard thing for any kid to do, let alone one that, like you said, has lost his compass. And, and I don't think that's, there's a reason Dennis Hernandez was like, nah, we're not. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're not doing those types of football programs. We're doing this football program. (laughs) True. But with that said, he he obviously ultimately goes there, and he has a a good college career. I mean, all SEC tight end, uh, you know, does what he needs to do, ultimately uh, leaves a year early to go to the draft. Right. Um, So he's 20 when he gets drafted. 20. So this in the NFL as the youngest player in the NFL, 20 years old. So a couple things. One thing really stuck out to me, Dan. I want to get your your take on it, but let me just set it up. So the NFL, they look at him. They see that he's got issues. So he falls from probably what's going to be at least a sure-fired second-round pick to the fourth round with the Pats. The Pats give him like $2.5 million, somewhere in there, for a four-year deal. I think he gets a $200,000 signing bonus, which was less than what a fourth-rounder would get. And he gets New England. But the thing that stuck out to me, Dan, when, when the NFL and the, and the clubs do all the different tests and, you know, they'll, they'll you know, you do written tests. You do all kinds of tests. He scored, which to me is such a red flag and jumps out. And it goes right in, in line with what we've been talking about. He scores a 1 out of 10 on an NFL test reference social maturity. yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. you can't get any. I mean, I, I bet you if they would, if they could score to zero, he probably would have scored a zero. And it was like nine out of ten on competitiveness, right? And like, it, yeah, this kid is again not the kid you want to put in the NFL at twenty. Okay, like we we saw this in the NBA many, many times. It's why they put an age limit yes. in partially. Some guys like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Kevin Garnett can manage to gut in at 18 right out of high school or even 17 and handle it. Right. But other guys couldn't. And so it's like, all right, let's try to give them a year and, and maybe it works out. Some of them can do it. Some can't. And so you try again, this is not the guy you want to rush off to, to the pros, but here he is. He could always, once the whistle blow, phenomenal athlete, yeah. phenomenal football player, but everything else in his life, is different. And as you point out, here's part of what, you know, I think part of his thing, he wasn't making that much money. You're making a lot of money. I mean, it's good. It's a good living. We're not well, kidding ourselves. Yeah, but, well, it, but, in context, NFL-wise. Yeah, yeah. In context. Correct. But people think, hey, you're playing for the Patriots. You are loaded. Right. And it's like, actually, I'm making like 450 grand here, and I got to pay my agent and my union dues. And the taxes. Yeah. And so he and Shayana move into like a small, they just have a little uh, townhouse in like uh, kind of, you know, the outskirts of Massachusetts, uh, Boston. And he's not a set for life gazillionaire at this point, but he's treated that way by everyone, which does not help at all because they just think you must have millions of dollars. And it's like, no, I have a really good job, but I also can lose that job in, you know, one, one bad, you know, twist of my name. Well, I mean, I don't want to jump ahead, but when you were watching the documentary, one of the things that stuck out to me was even his own mom was like, well, you could have given me like a million dollars. I know that's when he got like the 40 million, but she's I like, know. you could have given me a million dollars. He's like, what well, are you, he was what are you in, crazy? He was sitting in prison yeah. when she said that. Right, so. but I just... Sitting in prison and yeah. she's like, why didn't you just give me a million dollars? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is... I would have been sitting for life, chaos she said. Right, right. You and know, here's the thing. He, he did get a $40 million contract. He did, he did, yeah. But you have to earn the contract. He just... <laughs> he just signed it. He only played one year under that contract. Right, right. He never got $40 million. He got a lot of money at that point. Millions. But again, there's a thing called taxes, mom. 
There's a thing. <laughs> no, like you get eight million dollars, you don't get eight million dollars. Right, right. You get four. Right. And that's pretty damn good, but unless it's peeling off a quarter of it to you, right? Yeah, exactly. So he's he's surrounded by dysfunction, and that's the he's surrounded by function also. It's right. just he always shows the dysfunction. And, and you brought up the point, like, you know, I think it's a, a a great point, like Kobe Bryant at such a young age being able to handle it in the NBA. And I've always said this from day one of my law enforcement career, just from investigating so many cases and interviewing so many people. To me, everything that happens to people, it, it's it it all starts in the home. How sure. is your how is your home structure? Right. I, I really believe that. I mean, for everything, and so obviously. Super dysfunctional stuff going on. Um, and, and we haven't even gotten into the, the part, Dan, where he was a chronic marijuana smoker, weed smoker. Like he smoked weed all the time, did Aaron Hernandez, correct? Uh, yeah, I mean, the stories were almost legendary. Where I, 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 don't, I don't partake in that. Uh, no judgment, but I don't even know how you function in some of those stories that were told on the witness stand. And, like, I mean, it was everything from, people that were around him just saying he just smoked all the time. Like, you know, a cleaning lady at the house was like, I came in one day and the entire island in his kitchen was full of, uh, of weed. And Was there a snowstorm coming or something? Like, yeah. How do you operate at, at this level? But yeah, he's hiding an identity that no one knows. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I don't want to turn this into sympathy for Aaron Hernandez because he doesn't. He did it to himself, right? But there choice. is a point where you go, my lord, this guy was under an enormous, <laughs> enormous weight of, of all sorts of different things. But there's no doubt the amount of weed smoking. We'll get into it here in a minute. <laughs> led well, to the led to the crime. sloppiness. <laughs> uh, and oh, he no. wasn't a mastermind. Uh, you know, violent cr- criminal. He he just you know I think he was just this. Well, we'll get into it, but quickly. So. Just so people know, so he gets drafted. We just talked about that, you know, good pay, but not not super good pay. You mentioned uh, Shayana Jenkins; that's his fiance and the mother of his child. Did he? His rookie year was twenty ten. Did he have the baby in twenty ten yet, or, or very shortly thereafter? Right. I think it was during his second season. So uh, yeah, I, I don't. So what I want people to know is, so you look at his rookie year, 45 receptions in the NFL, 563 yards, six touchdowns. I mean, pretty damn good for a fourth rounder, right? So now the Pats are like, okay, we we hit on this guy. Now we just got to keep him straight and narrow. And Tom Brady loved him. Yeah. Well, and, and then they built an offense between with him and Gronk, and Gronk. on his side. Really? And said Gronk was a second-round pick because he had a bad back. Yeah. And so the Patriots had this quiet draft. And then all of a sudden, that Belichick unleashes this offense with two. Who, who are you covering? Gronk on one side, Aaron Hernandez on the other. Aaron's smaller, but still, he's, he's you know he was Travis Kelsey kind of talent, and he's just it's like bang, here you go. And they just and, and then Brady's like, I love this guy. He's, yeah, because in the in the field, never a problem. You can argue so, that Aaron Hernandez was the player. That, that changed the style of offenses in terms of that, quote-unquote, hybrid tight end where, yeah, you could put his hand on the ground and the end of the line of scrimmage, and he can get it done. But, boy, you could put him out wide. You can put him in the slot. He's a matchup nightmare for strong safeties. Yeah. I mean, a linebacker, forget about it, but strong safeties. 
Oh, oh, you try to put a corner on him. He's too big. Like, and so that kind of, now you see that you talked about Travis Kelsey, Dan, you see that everywhere now with that style tight end. Right. Gronk is your classic. Gronk blocks. Because he's so any- damn big. Yeah. Right. Gronk is, <laughs> Gronk's value is blocking and then catching. Yes. Aaron was impossible, but you also, you had to put size on Gronk. So your safety, so you had to put a corner on him, but then they can't tackle him. It, 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 it was, it was genius. Uh, and football-wise, you know, obviously, second year they make the Super Bowl. So and he catches a touchdown pass. Yeah, so that's what I was going to say. So that second year, look at these numbers for the Pats. 79 receptions, nearly 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns. After that year, and, and this is where it just things, to me, uh, get, get crazy. So you talked about it. They end up re-signing them. They give them a $40 million contract. And I should have the notes in front of me, but I want to say, and just correct me if I'm way off base, Dan. I, I want to say like 14 million of it was going to be guaranteed. I think maybe 12 and a half as a bonus, right. and there was some other deferred there. But we're talking like life changing, especially tight end money, like huge, huge money, right? So I, I'm pretty close on those numbers, right? Yes, yes. Now he's got money. Now it's, the money's real, and if you watch the movie, that's when he buys a massive house. Right. But he still didn't give his mom the million bucks. <laughs> no. Did not give mom a million bucks. She's I guess in hindsight, that. he probably should have. Yeah. But not a good Yeah. He still was like, nah, mom. Well, <laughs> so, and this is what's fascinating. But again, when you get 12 and a half, whatever he made on that. Yeah, yeah, first, whatever it was. First, you know, it's, I don't say, I mean, I, I got no idea. This would be a problem I'd like to have. Right. But that money can, can fade away pretty quick, too. Yeah. So, and this is what's fascinating. I think this is what people trying to get into the mind of Aaron Hernandez. So he signs that deal in August of 2012. Okay. Yeah. So now let's date what's going on. Just go back a month. July 16th of 2012 is when the double homicide happened in, in Boston where Daniel uh, Diabreu and Safiro yep. Furtado, hopefully I said their names right. God rest you their souls. Right, yep. um, they're murdered in a coming out of a club in Boston. So, the, the lowdown on that is uh, Aaron Hernandez is with uh, the aforementioned Alexander Bradley, who we talked about, who he hadn't known long, right, Danny He met him a couple of years earlier, 2010. The thing with Alexander Bradley is he's a Hartford, Connecticut guy. And, and Brian, Beef, we, we deal with this. This guy's a true criminal. Yes. He's a, he's a drug dealer, high-level drug dealer. He sells guns. Like, he's a criminal. Right. Multiple convictions, I believe. Yes. Right? Yeah. Huge, huge rap sheet. Right. And so this guy's a, a criminal that... You know, Aaron Hernandez wants to be friends. So they're at a club in Boston. Apparently, some words go on with Diabreu, Furtado. Um, they leave. Uh, Aaron Hernandez is on video. Come out. Long story short, uh, Alexander Bradley says, oh, Aaron Hernandez sees them driving away. Let's, let's go catch up to these guys. That Aaron Hernandez shoots him and kills him. Now, the Boston PD, and Dan will correct me if I get anything wrong here, sees... Aaron Hernandez on the film. The They're like, oh, that's Aaron Hernandez. So they never, at that point of Aaron Hernandez's life, even with the the, the history that he had at, at Florida, the Boston police wouldn't really know that. They never thought of him as being a murderer. But uh, do I have that right, Dan? So that, that's, that was the accusation. And ultimately, he does get charged for that. But that's kind of what happened in a nutshell, right? And it just, but there was, they, the Boston police just were the, like. The, the case to this day makes no sense. No, and uh, no. only maybe Alexander Bradley. Alexander Bradley's reasoning makes no sense. Um, maybe one day Alexander Bradley will 
will tell the truth on it. I don't know. It's a, it's, we, we don't know. He and Alexander Bradley got. Alexander Bradley was a, a, a marijuana deal, drug dealer in Hartford. Aaron comes back after his time at Florida and begins um, training for the NFL, and he and he's buying drugs. And it, the word gets to Alexander Bradley that Aaron Hernandez is buying drugs, and Alexander Bradley just basically becomes his personal drug dealer. Um, he's not normally like the guy who's going to drop off the, the weed, but he's you know, I mean, Aaron Hernandez is a huge celebrity in Connecticut. The two become friends, and I always I think Aaron like. I always thought there was two things about Al- Alexander Bradley is an incredibly charismatic guy. Absolutely fascinating guy. Um, I've ne- the, the, and then you talk to the police in Boston, the, the prosecutors, uh, Jose Baez, like the vocabulary on a drug and gun dealer uh, and his, his poise, his ability to, to communicate is incredible, right? It's like, he, it's like out of the movies or something. And so this is a very unusual guy, but he's a legit tough guy. Mm-hmm. And now Aaron's got a guy with him that I think he he looked up to maybe because this is a like you said, it's a real dude. And he also has his own money, which I thought would be kind of. I always thought that might be a thing too. Like Alexander Bradley, he wants Aaron's fame. Aaron wants his toughness, and so there's kind of this bond, and they become very very close friends. Um, but like you talk about the real like. Alexander Bradley shot up a bar in Hartford. Like he's on, he's on camera just in, shooting eleven bullets into a right, bar right. because someone had shot him at the bar. Like this is this is guy is way beyond. This is not your friendly neighborhood weed dealer. That was he, is totally, he got shot in the groin, right? And he he's on the video he walking around groin, bleeding, and he goes back and yeah, shoots the comes place. back and shoots up the whole bar. Doesn't shoot one guy. Yeah. He sprays the bar. If you ever watch the movie again, right. This is a little secret, uh, crazy scene. So we get the video from the trial uh, yeah. that he gets convicted of, of him shooting up the bar. Watch the scene. There's a guy in the bar. He starts shooting the bar. Everyone starts running, right? right. There's one guy in the video who just keeps sitting there sipping his drink. He doesn't want to give up his beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got like a gin and tonic or something. And he's just like, yeah, there's 11 bullets whizzing by my head. And this, I'm like, who is that? I want to know who that, that guy, guy is. is That's right? the guy yeah. I want to Yeah, well, this guy is crazy. <laughs> he really liked his drink. <laughs> Everyone else in the bar runs for it. Um, yeah, so this is a real dude. So, yeah, now they're hanging out. Well, they go out in Boston. So they're out in Boston one night, Sunday night. If you know Boston, there's not a million clubs. It's not a big club city. They're at this one bar. You know, supposedly a drink gets spilled on air, and he gets enraged. And um, But he leaves. He's only in the place for like a, like 13 minutes. Or so. It's very brief. So the Boston police are analyzing video of why, where were these guys before they get killed. Right. And, and and Bradley says Hernandez all night is so mad at this, this drink getting spilled and the disrespect and I'm tired of people trying me and all this stuff. And then they see him when the guys leave and Aaron, they get the car and they follow him and Aaron shoots up the car. Kills two, wounds one. Well, Boston police are looking through the video like, why did these guys get killed? We have no, they're, they're not in gangs. They're not in drugs. I mean, they're going through the basic list. Did they get in a fight at the bar? No, they can't find anything. They do see Aaron Hernandez was at the bar, but he left. Right. At hours before. So, like, why would you think that guy would be the murderer? So, they don't even think about it. But he takes that car, yep. drives it back to Connecticut, and they stash it in the garage of Tanya Singleton, the, 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 uh, the cousin. 
car gets stashed in his cousin's garage. And there's internet searches when they get back to Hartford. They go to, like, Alexander Bradley's girlfriend's house or something. And, you know, like, he, he's, Aaron's on the computer looking for murder and, you know, seeing if there's a news account, anything. Yeah. So um, they were involved in it. But that car ends up in – and so uh, that, yeah, that's that. But he, he does that. He's either the shooter and killed two people and, um, and wounded another or – He's an accomplice who was there and stashes the car. This would be the best telling of Aaron would be like, I didn't do it, but I hit the car. Then he signs a $40 million contract and <laughs> plays an entire season in the NFL. Yeah. Totally crazy. And so, you know, and people say, oh, you know, no motive. But I, I almost think as I dive into this as a detective, based on my experiences of dealing with people, like the rage part that he had, uh, Aaron Hernandez had, the immaturity, um, as you just look at, you know, the pattern from his younger days. To me, it's it's plausible because we're about to get into the Odin Lloyd case. There's no motive there either. So let's, so it was, and I believe it was a Toyota 4Runner. So the Boston police knew that was a vehicle they were looking for. They ultimately will find that vehicle in Tanya Singleton's garage. Because of Odin Lloyd. Um, and and uh, real quick, Tanya Singleton is the one cousin. I mean, she really loved Aaron Hernandez. Mm-hmm. I mean, she went to jail for a year because yeah. she refused to testify against Aaron Hernandez. I mean, she, with cancer. With cancer, yeah. correct. Yeah. yeah, and died yeah, shortly cancer. thereafter. Yeah. And children. She has children. Wow. And she refused to, to cooperate with the police. She's a material witness. There's a, there's a the car involved in the homicide is in a garage. She refuses to answer any questions. They put her in prison for a year and she ends up dying of cancer. Yeah. Um, extreme loyalty between Aaron and Tanya Singleton. Incre- incredible loyalty. Yeah. Do, do you think there was any any money exchange? I mean, was there any in- indication of that? Like he, I mean, he always said he would help out the kids, but right, I mean, even right. still, you die. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, or what is the money? What is the money? Yeah. Uh, that they had an incredible, you know, relationship. I don't mean to glorify it, but it's. Yeah. yeah, it is what well, it you is. don't see that. Yeah. You don't see that. It, some, no. we, I mean, Rini and I have interviewed people that were willing to sell out their mother for, you know, to walk out the door. So it's, it, you do not see that kind of loyalty. Yeah, you, you really never do. But you, you mentioned it, Dan. So he goes on, plays the 2012 season. Um, another good, good season. 51 catches, close to 500 yards, five touchdowns. Not as good as the, the, the previous one, but, you know, he's only got some murders laying over in his, in his well, head. So. Good. You know, you, Rini, you played in the NFL. I mean, can you imagine the pressure of having a double homicide on you, whether you did the killing or just knowing at any moment you involved. could get caught for this Correct. and trying to function? It's not that the NFL, I, I tell people, you have to be a great athlete, but they aren't the best athletes. They're the best athletes who also can do all of the mental, emotional, uh, everything else. Yeah. It is, it is not easy you don't just show up and just play i gotta believe he had the ability which is really hard to do but he had to have this to compartmentalize Compartmentalize. that stuff because or else you just wouldn't function so uh, might be why he smoked weed yeah right (laughs) (laughs) i mean i think you know you talk about sexual abuse and stuff i mean you see that a lot of times with with victims of that they can compartmentalize so you know it's it's not out of the realm to say that he had that ability to to just put that into place and deal with it at another time you know um so 
so now we talked about the the time the timeline the timeline's crazy here because so much stuff goes on that's right, why right. I'm trying to, to keep it so he plays that season now in February and I think this is important because we've talked about Alexander Bradley a lot in February of 2013 this is yeah so the 2012 season would just have ended right he goes to Florida I want I want to say Miami correct me if I'm wrong yeah. and he goes to, goes to a strip club he's with Alexander Bradley apparently there's a couple guys looking. And at Aaron Hernandez, and by all counts, you know, and we talked about it, the weed he smokes, and he's probably paranoid because, after all, whether he shot those two people or he was in the car, he's an accomplice. We know that. That's a fact. Like, we know that for a fact. Either he pulled the trigger or he was in the car as an accomplice, right? And the car's car's still, at this point, hidden at his cousin's house, okay? He sees two guys. Alexander Bradley says... Uh, Aaron says, well, you think those are cops? You know, what's going on? Why are they looking at us? And Alexander Bradley says to him, well, if they are cops, it's because of the, you know, basically the dumb crap, I don't want to swear, the dumb crap you did in Boston. So now, allegedly, uh, Aaron Hernandez says, well, you know, I need to take out Alexander Bradley. He shoots Alexander Bradley in the face. Alexander Bradley doesn't die. Refuses to tell the police in, in South Florida that it was Aaron Hernandez. But now, these two, who were really tight, now they're... You know, obviously, on the outs. Is do I have that correct? Yes, uh, that is the story uh, Alexander Bradley correct. tells. Now, again, Alexander Bradley, you know, who knows, right? You're right. Yeah. Um, here's what we because there's some really wild stuff on this story, okay? And and what came out in trial that we don't know um, that might be buried in some field police report or you know something. Sure. So they, they go down, first of all, these two are, the whole, none of the story, make, there's a whole bunch of parts of the story that don't make any sense. They're going from a Super Bowl party um, down there, a friend of theirs that won the Super Bowl, uh, and they're doing that in like Bell Glade, Florida, which is in like Palm Beach County. Like, Alexander Bradley and Aaron Hernandez show up at the airport to fly to Florida so late, they just leave their car and have no luggage hmm. and just get on the plane. Okay. Right? Like, they're so disorganized. Kind of right. like you're going for a drug deal or something, right? Right. Right. Yeah. right. Kind of weird, right? But that's yeah. the story. We just get on the plane. Did they they have, fly down there. They, they, they stay at a Best Western. Nowhere near Miami. Or nowhere near Belgrade. And they say they're trying to save or La Quinta Inn. I think it was a La Quinta or the Best I can't remember. Something like that. So a, a, a lower, low to mid, whatever you want to. Well, you know, I don't yeah. want the people. I stayed at Laquintas. They let you bring your dogs. They were they were slum, yeah. they were slumming it. Yeah, but they, they were, were doing, not at like the south. They were not at the. Uh, they were doing it for a reason. They were doing it for a reason. The Ritz Carlton. Yeah. Did they? But they booked the rooms under the real names. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They share a room. They share. A okay. Room. Okay. Okay. Again, what is going on here? You've got a forty million dollar concert yeah. in Laquinta off the highway. <laughs> then they go to like the the they go to the. Um, the club, the Cookies Cabaret, and they spend like ten grand. <laughs> Maybe they were saving the money for the strip clubs. <laughs> yeah. I, and look, the, the, the cabaret is nowhere near where they're staying. So they, I have a million questions about this trip. Right. Well, right. whatever happens down there at the end of the day, and, and at, at, at trial they don't bring in the guys who were in the car when he gets shot. The, the ballistics don't make sense. There's all sorts of questions on where did, who shot Alexander Bradley? Why did he get shot? All we know is this. Alexander Bradley gets blasted right between the eye with a gun at close range, loses an eye, has a hole out the back of his head, is supposed to die, and is left in an industrial park at like 6.30 in the morning in, uh, 
I think Palm Beach or Broward County somewhere, and they're gone. Alexander Bradley survives. I don't know how. And all he wants to, yeah, he survives somehow. The, the, one of the funnier parts, I think, in the, you guys would like, is a homicide detective shows up to the hospital. Right. A homicide detective is assigned the crime. Right. And they think he's going to die. die. Yeah. And I, you guys have done homicide. You're probably like, I never get to, I never get to interview the victim. Yep. I do homicide. So this guy shows up at the hospital like, listen, I'm a homicide detective. You're supposed to die. What happened? <laughs> right. Like, this is crazy, right? I right. mean, right? Probably the only time. So sure enough, he somehow survives and he won't talk. But he determined at that point in the in February of uh, thirteen, right? We're yes. thirteen. Yep. I'm going to kill Aaron Hernandez. Yep. Yep. That's it. Yep. So we don't know what exactly happened down there because the story's like, eh, I don't know, right? Like, there's a lot of whole. There's a lot of like, your kid came home with that story. Like, ah, I got to ask two more questions here. I'm not buying that. Not buying that excuse or that ally. But we do know Aaron Hernandez and Alexander Bradley are now no longer friends. And Alexander Bradley wants to kill Aaron Hernandez. Hernandez then asks the Patriots to trade him. He moves, he and Shayana and everyone moves to California for the spring work out there. He doesn't want to be anywhere around Massachusetts. He buys an armored car. He puts up the video surveillance all over his house. With the lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That ends up getting them. Starts hanging out with Ortiz and Wallace. He, it's a it is a whole different thing now. He thinks he's going to get killed. And didn't he have right. didn't he have like that little burner apartment as well that the Pats actually helped him get? Yep. Yeah. He had the flop house. They call it yeah. Yeah. Uh, the a little house. pejorative, but the flop. Yeah, he had a little apartment and a cheap apartment thing where it's like you remember the old ladies in the movie, like you know, it's like what, like Aaron Hernandez was living next door, like what, like um. Yeah, he's got that. That's supposed to be so when guests come in, they can stay. Right. Like, dude, you got like it's a 20,000 square foot house. Yeah. yeah. The- um, all of this is going on, and he, he, he's very, very concerned that he's going to. I mean, you think about the pressure now on Aaron Hernandez. Oh, yeah. He could get busted for the double homicide, for at the very least, stashing the car, or, you know, accomplice. There's the. the, the, the piece of evidence that will 100% get him is sitting in a garage in Bristol just waiting to get discovered by who knows yeah, what. In his cousin's garage. In his cousin's garage. So at any moment, he'd get busted for that. And he's got a guy who is a murderer, or, 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 or most certainly can murder him, yeah. literally saying, I'm going to murder you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and by the way, we'll get into it later. Allegedly, he's a homosexual that hasn't been able to live his life no. and come Hasn't out. Been able to live his life. He's got and and he as good as he was as the third year, it has fall, he has fallen off significantly. He wanted to play more wide receivers. The beatings he was taking, he didn't want to play tight end as much. Belichick's not happy. Brady's not happy. There's pressure at work. I mean, you name it, it's all coming to a head. And the thing I'll say for the listeners too, um, get just getting back to Alexander Bradley, um, 
you know, whoever did shoot him and, and not cooperating with the police. If I had a dime mm-hmm. every yeah. time, a per- and I, I've, I've investigated a ton of a, a, a attempted homicides yep. where they've lived. Or robberies too. Robberies, where, yep. where, where people have been shot yep. and they know, and, and, and drug deals go bad all the time. Yep. That's like a predominant thing as a robbery detective. But you'd be surprised, people, how many times the person that's been shot will not tell us, will not tell the police who they got shot. It's like part of the culture. They yep. just won't do it. It's it's nuts. I've been in that same position as that homicide detective. Like, you're going to let someone get away with it. Someone shot you point blank range in the face. Just tell us who it is. We'll, you know, we'll get the subpoenas. We'll get the warrants. We'll pull the phone records. You just need to tell. They won't. No, they, they won't. They will not they cooperate. And it's amazing, no. but that's that's the world we live in. A lot of them think they're going to get uh, well, I'll, I'll, like almost like what you said here with Bradley. Justice, like, I'll get I'll take, I'll care, take of care of it, it but uh, they don't. But uh, Dan, I actually had uh, I, I won't go into too much specifics, but I actually had a guy that was shot up pretty good. And uh, when I spoke to him, he said he didn't want to press any charges, which is pretty which is, again, yep. par for the course if they live. Uh, and he, he actually came in and gave a statement where he declined to prosecute and he wound up unfortunately passing away. Uh, so I had a guy that gave a declination to prosecute on a murder case. So that's almost kind of the same thing. And died. Yeah. And ultimately died. yeah. So we, we have those unusual circumstances at times. It rarely it happens. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's go now fast forward a little bit. So now June 17th, 2013, this is. This is arguably, it's not arguably, this is when Aaron Hernandez's life, along with many others, really comes crashing down. So, Odin Lloyd, and Dan talked about this, Odin Lloyd was a semi-professional football player in Boston, played right. semi-pro where you're basically paying just to keep playing, right? Sure. You got to pay for the refs and keep the league going. Um, he's dating uh, Aaron Hernandez's girlfriend's sister so Shania Jenkins sister is dating Odin Lloyd so that's how Odin Lloyd becomes friends with Aaron Hernandez and by all accounts Dan they become good friends they they both like to smoke weed they have that in common and 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 they just become good friends um on that night of June 17th I know there was text messages um that you know Aaron wanted to go pick Odin up are we still on this and that he picks him up uh, in the early hours of the morning, and I know uh, Odin Lloyd texts. So something was going on because Odin Lloyd texts his sister and says, "Hey, if any, basically, if anything happens, you know who I'm with NFL." So he wanted his sister to know he was with Aaron Hernandez. Now, the speculation is a couple days earlier something happened, and this kind of gets into you know the Aaron Hernandez. Is he just not stable? That he feels like so many people disrespect him, and he just doesn't have the maturity to handle stuff, and now I'm this tough guy. Ultimately, he takes Odin Lloyd along with his co-conspirators, Carlos Ortiz, Ernest Wallace, who we talked about, uh, from Boston back to North Attleboro, where um, Alec, uh, Aaron Hernandez's basically mansion is. It's a, it's a, correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, it's, it's, it's upper middle class, or even better than that, right? The, North Attleboro. That, that neighborhood where Aaron is, is, yeah, incredibly wealthy. Well, North Attleboro is, um, very nice, very nice town. And I don't know how, he, 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 but there's different parts of the city correct. that maybe aren't. Not everyone you meet from North Attleboro is living in a million dollar. Correct, house, and that, and that's there were a million dollar. Yes, house. yeah. But they take him from Boston. Where listen, if 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 um, Odin Lloyd is, is murdered in Boston, yeah, it's a big deal. It's a murder, but Boston's a major city. 
a ton of murders. It's going to kind of get filed in with the other ones. It's probably not going to be, you know, headline news. Instead, they take them to North Attleboro, where if someone gets murdered, that's like off the stop, charts. Stop the, everything. The chief, yeah. the chief is going to show up at yeah. the scene. I mean, everybody's yeah. going to be there. And the only person Odin Lloyd knows in North Attleboro is Aaron Hernandez. So, in the sloppiness of this murder, um, to me, it's just it's amazing. Again, I think the the marijuana smoking had a lot to do with it. Just and just I just jotted some things down. But um, besides the thing I just said, where uh, Aaron Hernandez is the only person Odin Lloyd knows in North Attleboro. I mean, there was cell phone towers that were able to be pinged and hit on that case. Video surveillance yeah. of the video yeah. system Aaron Hernandez put in his house because he was afraid of Alexander Bradley. Well, isn't um, he walking around with a gun in the, on the video surveillance correct. inside his own um, home? DNA. There was a blunt, speaking of the yeah. marijuana, there was yeah. a blunt collected at the murder scene yeah. with Aaron Hernandez's DNA on it. Uh, a shell casing of a bullet used to kill Odin Lloyd was found in the car that they were driving, which was a rental car to Aaron Hernandez that was returned to the rental car facility. And the, there was a shell casing inside of it. Uh, the, the tires to the rental car matched up at, at the scene. The footwear that was worn by uh, Aaron Hernandez matched, imprinted at the scene. The text message we talked about, Lloyd to his sister. Um, and then the one thing that I think a lot of people didn't realize is the prosecution called in Robert Kraft to yeah, trial the owner of the New England Patriots. For, all, for, for everything we know, Dan... Uh, Robert Kraft was the only person associated with the Patriots that Aaron Hernandez spoke to after the murder of Odin Lloyd. And apparently he told Mr. Kraft that, hey, uh, you know, I, I didn't do this. Once the, once the timeline comes out, you're going to see I'm clubbing. Well, if you didn't do it, how the hell do you know when Odin Lloyd was murdered? Like that was to me a real damning yeah. Yeah. statement that he, he made. And then you bring in Robert Kraft in front of the jury. And I think that statement... Because the jury took over a, a week, I believe, uh, to convict him. I think that statement went a, went a long way. Would you agree, Dan? A hundred percent. I was there that day uh, at the trial. Um, and Kraft's testimony was very, very important. And, yeah, uh, I thought I was clubbing. I'm, I'm clubbing. First of how do you know when the murder happened? Yep. It happened at 3.30 in the morning. Right. Um, and we know through the videos. Because we can see them get in the car. You know, there's so many, yep. so much surveillance now. Yes. You see them get in the car outside of Odin's house. You see them drive. There's different, you know, uh, highway videos, storefronts. Again, this is North Attleboro. They're going to go to the wall to try to prosecute this case. And obviously, once they figure out it's Hernandez, you know, it's all hands on deck by every law enforcement in, in Massachusetts. But um, you know there's four people in the car. Right. You know Aaron's driving the car. He's the driver. Like, there's so many dumb things. He's the driver. Uh, let me go back. He wore these, like, very rare shoes, these Nikes that he had, size 13, like, rare Jordans, like, some kind of, you know, like, this is not, <laughs> again, it's like, well, only a few people are going to have these shoes, size 13. Um, hey, Dan, can I, uh, did they find those shoes? Ahead. Did they ever find those shoes they like, never on the search the warrants? Shoes, but they, they took a picture of the of the closet. Okay. First time. Was through, there a box for him? There was a box of them. There you go. He yeah. probably, I back. bet you he owned 300 yeah. shoes. I mean, that's yeah. like He a had thing. a ton of shoes. Yeah. They, very good police work, though. They come back for the shoes, 
box is gone. Really? So well, I'm sure they did. And it was probably in that bag when Shania Jenkins, remember, right. he had right. told her, right. get rid of stuff, right. you know? And, and he, didn't so, get, he didn't give a statement, did he, Dan? He, he uh, basically, what we call, what, yeah. like, lawyered up? He lawyered up right away. Okay. Uh, okay. But let me give you some of the other Go really ahead. dumb things. I, that was part of it. Like, he has a rental car, and this is how high they are, I think. Right. <laughs> you have bullet casings in the rental car, yes. and you return the car. You don't look under the seat. Yeah, yeah. Like, you did nothing. Like, this is simple, right? I don't know how to kill somebody, but I would not leave the shell casing no. in the car. So, no. of course, the lady at Enterprise gets the car, starts cleaning the car, and goes, um, there's a bullet shell casing here. And then quickly, Aaron Hernandez is a person of interest. Well, uh, yeah, you call the police, go, oh, well, coincidentally, Aaron returned a car and there's a bullet in it, a uh, shell casing. What, the um, the so, shell casing had gum on it, didn't it? It landed on gum that he had been chewing. Yeah. <laughs> did they de- that they did, could prove he bought that night right, and it has right. DNA on it. Yeah. It has his DNA on it. That's what I was going to ask. Right. Yeah, DNA I mean, test. <laughs> Yeah, it's all being the whole thing, right? So the, the whole defense argument is he's not the one who did the pulled the trick. Sure. First, they had to say he wasn't there. Well, right. I'll, I'll get. To, let me get to the rest of it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay, then you get to the video. Yeah. So he he sets up the surveillance cameras to keep an eye in case Bradley's killing him. He erases some of the videos, but he somehow forgets to erase all of them. So again, as you guys as detectives, you show up and get the videos, and he's literally pulled. They pull up five minutes after the murder. Yes. And he gets out of the thing with a gun. Yeah. I mean, I, you, you filmed yourself doing this. Like, this crime is so bad. Right. And that's why they zero, boom, they're in on him. Again, he, the, the, the industrial site is almost less than a mile, very close to where um, Aaron lived. It's, you know, it's, a, it's, it's kind of, you had to drive a little farther to make it a mile, but it's even closer if you're just walking it. Sure. So it's like, you took this guy out of Boston, put him in a place he knows no one, and killed him practically in your backyard. Of course, you're going to be a suspect. The whole crime was so sloppy um, that they went after it. Now, the thing about what, what had happened with, with Kraft, and this is, I, I, Kraft was the key witness to me. So they had been saying the whole time, Aaron wasn't there. Aaron was not at the scene. The other two guys did it. Uh, you know, this video, they don't know, can't prove he's there. Because if he's there on the, this would be a planned murder, right? Right. Uh, they had a thing, basically, if you're, if you're part of a planned murder and someone gets murdered, you're all guilty. Right. So they're trying, the defense is going, you're not there, you're not there, you're there. And all of a sudden, Kraft goes, oh, he's telling me this, this, and this. And now it's like, how do you know? And so they had to flip, the defense had to flip and say, yeah, he was there. But the other guys did it. And that was crushing for the defense. Now, Aaron's uh, defense on appeal, if they'd ever appealed, it was going to be, look, yeah, he told Kraft that stuff. He's just lying to his boss. He's just saying, look, man, I wasn't there. And, and that, you know, that's kind of the explanation. But, you know, that, How, so that, that's what he, they were, they were going to argue if they never got to a defense. What was the uh, time frame of the, of what he, what Aaron told Kraft? I mean, was it, did, were they able to say it was like pretty recently after or had stuff come out in the news? You understand what I'm saying? Was it something where? No, no, it was just days. It was like two days later. He's okay. at, uh, he shows up at Gillette Stadium to work out. Okay. Or, or it, it broke in a few days later that he was a person of interest. But, okay. he, but he hadn't the, been arrested. He hadn't been charged. Right. So nothing was in the arrested, media right. in terms of statements. But the, yeah, the media is following. Everyone's on it. And um, Aaron 
goes to Gillette Stadium and like the Patriots tell everybody, like, do not talk to Aaron Hernandez. You talk to Aaron Hernandez, you're going to be, you could be, you know, you're going to have to testify. <laughs> okay. Like, do not, do not right. talk yeah. to Aaron Hernandez. Do not become right a witness now. in this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, billionaires don't listen to anything, right? They're, he's just like, I'm yeah. going to go down there and see if he's okay. Maybe my guy <laughs> needs some help. And so right. he goes down there and sure enough, he ends up on the witness stand. But it was a key element of that case because sure. it, it, it changed it, and as a witness, as you guys probably can say more about it, but like this is a fairly unimpeachable guy. Right. I mean, like, what is he? Everybody knows him. He's a big. He's the owner of the Patriots. He's got billions of dollars. Whatever he says is going to be taken as like as, as the truth. Sure. Now, now, unimpeachable basically means if somebody's on the stand, they and they have some type of criminal history or whatever, they can be impeached. Okay, not that. that. Yeah. Right. Um, my, I I think it goes for explaining too, and Dan, you might want to comment on this a little bit too. Um, the the one of the issues with having the body so close to where Aaron lived is phone records at that point unfortunately don't help, do they? The the tower locations because he lives a mile and a half away, his phone's going to show him in the area. You understand what I'm saying? Did that come up at all in right. trial? Uh, it may have. I mean, they man, they went through. Days right. I never I liked remember. it when a criminal but, committed crimes close to their home because well, it doesn't yeah, help. With but the phone he tried records. to say yeah. he was Cell clubbing. Tower testimony is. Painfully boring. And, and, and listen, <laughs> but we like it. it it's it's, it's yeah, more. You like it. it. You like it as a writer. It, oh. I like. I'm sorry, it's not <laughs> so juicy. You know, it's it's yeah, painful. <laughs> it's painful writing the warrants or the subpoenas to get those records, and then just sitting there looking, looking through, through yeah. hundreds of pages. I, I just it, hundreds. I, they had a guy on there for days. I hate yeah. it. Okay, yeah. it's the worst. And you went to this try it. Then you went to this. But it's a necessary yeah. evil. You you have to do yeah. it. So, and that kind of plays into like how sloppy and how much circumstantial evidence there was in this case because at the end of the day dan the the prosecution never came up with a motive there was to this day there's still no motive of why aaron hernandez killed odin lloyd correct no motive no murder weapon um and you know you could certainly make the argument of uh it was the other guys right he has right. no criminal record at that point. Uh, the jury never heard of it. He's the star patriot. Why the hell would you kill your brother, your future brother-in-law? You guys are friends. Like, there's so many different things. And then he was he was scared of the other two. So that's why. But that that was also his defense at trial. But that didn't really work um, because he let him hang out at the house. Right. Uh, yeah, the hold, day, holding the baby. Yeah, all kinds of video. The that, baby. Yeah. There was actually a point two, two days later when he had he ordered Shayana to drive and meet one of them at a rest stop or like a Dunkin' Donuts off at I-95 in Rhode Island to give him money. Yeah. And the baby's in the car. Like, if you think that guy's a murderer, you don't send your wife and your baby to. And again, Aaron had the gun in his hand when he got out of the car. Yeah, it was Aaron. There's no doubt. Um, But yeah, there was, they never had a motive. They never had a thing. But, you know, like, you guys know, circumstantial evidence, it sounds bad in the movie. Like, they make it out, but it's like, it's, if I if, if the pavement is dry as I'm walking into a building and I go in for 30 minutes, I come back out and the pavement is wet, but it's still sunny out. I can circumstantially assume it rained. Correct. Sure. Like that's circumstantial evidence. Like circumstantial evidence can be tr- tremendously convincing. You're painting it's not like bad. Evidence. You're you're painting no. a picture for the jury, and uh, people don't realize this. And Brian, you can agree or disagree with me. To me, and I've been in a ton of trials, and I know you have as mm-hmm. well. Beef. The most important thing. Voidir, the jury selection. Jury selection. You yeah. have to pick the right jury that that's that's going to listen 
It's going to listen to instructions. So now this is where it gets fascinating. So he's convicted. Aaron Hernandez is convicted of Odin Lloyd. He's in jail. Um, and now the Boston police charge him with the double homicide that happened roughly a year earlier, okay, that we talked about Daniel Diabreu, Safira Furtado, the victims, okay? Now Jose Bias comes in. And I know Dan has a relationship. Now he knows Jose Bias. We know Jose Bias because he's from Orlando. Um, and he... Well, Casey Anthony. Casey Anthony case. Yeah. And yeah. he claimed a fan. He got yeah. her off. I did a good job, and it's funny because when that Casey Anthony case was going on, it was absolute zoo. I was on the 19th floor of the courthouse. Yeah. I had an attempted murder case going on on the 17th floor, so I had to go through that every day for a couple weeks. Um, but anyway, uh, Jose Bias now represents him in this double homicide. Now, again, we talked about motive. Now, in this double homicide, who's the prosecution star witness? Alexander Bradley. Yeah. Again, when you have a criminal history... Um, you are going to get impeached. There's no doubt about it. You are going to get up there and they're going to, a good attorney is going to cross you up. And then if the jury doesn't believe one thing you say, they're probably going to disregard everything you say. Right, right. And so with him as the star witness, Jose Baez did a great job exposing him. There was just no way. So he's uh, acquitted. He's found not guilty of the double homicide. Right, right Dan? That's it in a nutshell. Jose Baez is a great attorney. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to argue really, with you. He is a great attorney. Um, right. I think we didn't use it in the thing, but I said, like, if you murder somebody or you're accused of murdering someone, call Jose Baez. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, let's hope no one. You know, yeah, right. Yeah, we don't have to do that. Yeah, we get it. Guys, he was tremendous. Alexander Brown is a very challenging witness. This guy was, he's tough. He's smart. Like I said, he has incredible vocabulary, a very a poised, uh, articulate, just, He'd go right back at people. Just incredible. One of the smartest witnesses I've ever seen. And so you have this whole thing. But Baez wins. And the basic argument on that one is, uh, so this is like a crime of passion. So it's not plotted. So if you're at the scene, you're not necessarily guilty of, of murder. Um, is Alexander Bradley was behind the wheel of the car. Alexander Bradley's the one who shot people up, all this different stuff. Right. Um, Hernandez was basically saying Bradley did it. Bradley saying Hernandez said, how, how do you know? Right? I mean, it's just, it's, this is the ultimate of like, you're not sure. Right. Reasonable doubt? Yes. Absolutely could have been Alexander Bradley. Why wouldn't it be? Um, so that's how Hernandez wins that case. Um, with tremendous defense work. And it was, and that's why I think they prosecuted the, the first murder after. Uh, and, and also, they got the, they, they were able to pursue the, the, the Boston murder because once Hernandez is arrested or under suspicion for the for the uh, Odin Lloyd murder, they go and and search warrant Tanya Singleton's yeah. house. They get the car, the truck, and get the car. So um, and, and and there's a million other developments. And, but, hey, yeah, Jose, so he gets off of the second one. Though. Jose thinks he could have got him off on the first one, doesn't he, Dan? He does. He does. He and I disagree on that. I don't think <laughs> Listen, I, I've but, told you this before. You want a confident defense attorney. You want a confident defense attorney. I just, there was so much circumstantial evidence against him in that case that I, 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 I'm with you. I, I just don't think there was any way. Now, that, I, I, I also think there's this on a second trial. Every one of those jurors knew yeah. Aaron had been convicted. There's just no way anybody in Boston didn't know about. Aaron Hernandez, you know, he got murdered. I mean, the case was so big in Boston. So it's sort of like if you know the guy's already in for life, 
I, I would think as a juror, and I think this is what the lawyers will say, they're more likely to be like, I'm not so sure about that. I agree with you 100%. If, sure. Right, but they tend to just go for conviction. Like, I don't know if he did it or not, but, man, this guy's shady. He might have. Let's put him away. And so you know, and you're like, yeah, I'm not just going to convict him of this. No, Dan, did they did they poll the jury afterwards? Was it uh, on the acquittal? Do you know? Yeah. Uh, you mean did they, did they talk to the media? No, did well, they, I mean, did, did they, they poll them and say what the uh, what the if it was like? Did one did four people think he was guilty and the other ones thought not guilty? Well, so it has to be unanimous. Unanimous. In okay. Massachusetts. Oh, there yeah, you go. It's not one of those. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, and so that, br- that brings me to the next thing. So he's, he gets off that case. Okay. Now, it, and I think you can do this quickly because this fascinated me because I didn't know about this and I don't think a lot of people know the law of abatement. Can you explain to the listeners quickly what abatement is or was, I should say. Okay. So abatement was, uh, like a old concept in Massachusetts law. And I guess some other places is basically if you're appealing your case, you are allowed to to resume the presumption of innocence, even if you're in prison serving time for the original conviction. So in the eyes of the court, you are innocent, uh, obviously, until proven guilty. And then really, until you are, um, all your appeals are uh, exhausted. So legally, if you appeal your case, you are still presumed innocent for the court, and you haven't been able to argue the full case. Uh, so it's this kind of ancient ideal, uh, even though you'll serve your time. So if there was a priest in Boston who had been uh, had been convicted of sexual molesting children, he appealed his crime, he ended up getting beaten to death by the other prisoners. And under abatement, he died while his appeal was open. So legally, that appeal had not been uh, adjudicated mm-hmm. and therefore... He is innocent legally because he's still presumed innocent. So the he dies as an innocent person. And that's exactly what happened initially in this case. Now he write Aaron Hernandez writes a letter uh, to Shania Jenkins and presumably a suicide note, but it in the end of that note it says, You're rich now. I'm paraphrasing, but I think that's what it said. Yeah, you're rich. So, so the thought rich. process was if he killed himself while the case was under appeal. They would throw the case out, and then they would have legal recourses now to go after the Patriots for that money from that new big contract. I mean, I mean essentially, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's getting in the mind of Aaron Hernandez. That's what he was thinking. Am I right? I don't know. Uh, it may have. We, that's the problem. We don't know. Mm-hmm. So yeah. They had seized back his signing bonus, by, and they had said, look, you didn't report, uh, didn't report to training camp. Okay. So they seized back his, his signing bonus. And, um, you know, and I think we didn't really get to this, but just the point of like that training camp was going to be, I think, and, and others around the case, like it was the, this was the tipping point for Aaron and why Odin Lloyd, whatever reason they killed, he killed Odin Lloyd, everything was coming to a head because he could hide out until training camp. Right, yeah. Once training camp hit, Alexander Bradley were going to know exactly where Aaron Hernandez is going to be every day. Okay. Right. Yeah. So if you're, he's in California, the off season, then he's running around, he's got the flop house. Where is he? You don't quite know. Oh, he's going to report at 7am to Gillette stadium. 
every single day and he's going to leave. So if you're trying to kill someone and you know exactly where they're going to be, it's a lot easier to kill him. Well, so and, I think that was what it And you're talking right. about a guy in Alexander Bradley, which we already talked about, shot up a bar on yeah. video, didn't yeah. care. And, so. and, and, and he's sending text messages saying, I got 40 wolves, I yeah. got guns, I got everything. He, he's threat. I'm going to kill you. So the training camp was going to be this big thing. But anyway, Aaron doesn't show up, so he's in violation. Of so the so abs- is Aaron, does Aaron think he, if he kills himself, then Shayana gets the money? Maybe. Yeah. But mm-hmm. at the same time, A, the civil suit, the lawyers, all of that, yeah. they're going to take all the money. Yeah, correct. From, from B, yeah. the Patriots are going to fight to the death legally. They're not going to give. They're not just going to be like, oh, okay. And we're still not even sure if contractually that would does this argument work in an NFL contract? So there, there, he, he may have thought that, yeah, right. but this is hardly a foolproof plan. No. But again, <laughs> this is a guy who's desperate. He's in prison at this point for four years. He's broke. He's he's suicidal. Obviously, he, I mean, nothing good has happened. Yeah, and then ultimately, though, with abatement, when he did kill himself, they did overturn, overturn the it. conviction, but. The Supreme State Supreme Court of Massachusetts came in and said, listen, it's an antiquated law. Right. It doesn't fit for this case. So they put the conviction back on, correct, Dan? And they and they rewrote the law. Yeah. yeah they so did, he has yeah. been he is a convicted felon. So but yeah, the money the was the money it. I my personal opinion with Aaron and watching Aaron that whole second trial, it was only five days after the second trial he killed himself. Yeah. He's a 27-year-old kid now, 27-year-old guy. He goes into 23. Like I said, he made the NFL. I don't want to say kid. He made the NFL as a kid. Played for 20 to 23 in the NFL. He's out in the NFL. He's now got four years in. He's facing like 50 to 55, 60 years. Mm-hmm. He knows how miserable life is. He loved the trial. He got to dress up. He got to go to a it, – like, you're in a miserable spot. Right. And, yeah, maybe you get out. You know, Baez, it seems it's like he was enthused, he's excited, we're going to have another, we're going to win it. But I, I just think that the weight of all those years is so significant that he just killed himself. But, I, you know, I don't know whether there was a finan- a real financial plan there. It, Dan, it, it's just one of those things we don't know. Dan, before he died, he, he never, ever admitted to homosexuality, or I guess it would be bisexuality because he, you know, he had a baby. Right. He, he never did, Correct. He, I think, I believe he discussed it with his, his uh, yeah, no, he, he, he acknowledged it to his lawyer. Okay, that's right, he did. And his brother, his brother knew, uh, I believe, I'm almost certain. Um, he, he definitely discussed it with his lawyers about it. Okay, um, okay. He never told Shan, he never said anything publicly, but he didn't say anything publicly, um, you know, the last, whatever. So, so and, and I know, years, I know two days before he committed suicide, I know there was a, a Boston radio station, right, that, that came out and said they had information that Odin Lloyd uh, knew that he was gay or something to that effect, and that's that's why he killed Odin Lloyd. That was never th- – that that wasn't the case, right? But isn't that what the radio station said? That is um, – sorry. Uh, that is what was said on the air, and whether that sprung him, like, the embarrassment of it or whatever – um, obviously, there was a lot of people knew he was uh, was gay. They thought about poor, or, you know bisexual, whatever. They thought about he was getting um, communications in prison uh, from people. He, he was in prison at that point. There was a number of people around 
that he had been with and, and the prosecutors knew the lawyers knew, you know, anybody really following the case knew that there was at least a heavy rumor. They talked about, you know, bringing it, introducing it as testimony. So a lot of people knew it got reported publicly and then got discussed on the air. And did Aaron hear that? And did that spur him to do it? I don't know. Yeah, we'll never know. The only thing is that suicide was very well planned out. Um, He had, he had acquired like some boxes to jam the door of the cell. He had acquired enough shampoo to make it slippery. He had, you know, been able, uh, you know, I don't know how long it takes to create the noose. Um, he had plotted out basically with a Bible, you know, I was going to put a drop of blood against this verse, uh, the different things. I don't think it was like a, a spur that, that to me, and you guys know better than me, that doesn't strike me as a, that's it. I'm going to kill, I'm in a panic. I'm going to kill myself right now. Type of, of, of suicide. No, I was planned out and he was high as well. Don't for, he was on K2 synthetic marijuana. He, I mean, people say, Oh, he was in jail. (laughs) You get a lot of drugs in jail, unfortunately. I mean, we, we do see a lot of... Uh, su- some suicides are a little bit more spontaneous than others, but you do see a lot of planning, and I think it's uh, cathartic to the person. I mean, I'm not trying to uh, glorify suicide at all, but I, you know, I've talked to family members that are like, I've never seen them so happy right before they commit suicide. And usually you tell people that they, they know the end is close and they're whatever pain they're going through, whatever is going to stop. So that's, you know, they know there's an hour. And uh, it's sad. It's it's terribly sad to think that somebody has to, you know, well, find joy in the fact that they're going to end the pain. But you look at this case, how many lives were just, you know, wrecked. dismantled, wrecked. I, well, mean, but, every, I mean, I mean, so many. I, me looking at all of this, you know, we talk about sloppiness, right, Dan? You talk about, I mean, I, I you, you talk about how many things he left behind. It, to me, it almost it's like he didn't give a crap. You understand what I'm saying? Like he, he, right. it was like so much self-loathing that he didn't care if he got caught or not. You know, I don't know. Or I mean, almost was yelling out to get yeah, caught. It was like, it's almost like, yeah, that's, that's what kind of screams out to me is you, I mean, you could have taken five minutes, like you said, to look under the seat. If you pick up the shell casings, do, you know, there wasn't even an attempt to try and clean up anything. And, and so, I mean, afterwards, you know, we had her throw the stuff out, the, the, the girlfriend and, and stuff. But in the moment, it was almost like, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, yeah. and. That sticks out to me a lot. I, I think there's something to that. And it certainly you think about the pressure of waiting to get caught. Right. Yeah. You know, again, we go yeah. back to what I said. You're waiting to get caught for the double. Right. You're waiting for the NFL to catch you with the weed. Right. You're waiting. And then, you know, that gets you, whatever. It's all coming down. And now you have a, a guy trying to murder you. Right. Like, how are you sleeping? How are you? I mean, you would be so scared. And you're about to have to start this training camp where you're literally every day, whether it's going to happen or not, you're going to drive to and from work every day. Yeah. Expecting someone to pull up to a stoplight and blow and, and blow you away. Murder. You. Yeah. That's almost I a mean, prison in the itself. Pressure that, right. So when he, they said when he got to the jail, he was relaxed. Yeah. Um, you know, that's what the warden said and all that. And you can take, you know, but he was, he fit right in. And it's almost like, Hey, you know what? It's finally over. I'm finally caught, and no one's going to kill me in here. Um, in the county jail, right? I'm 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 safer in my own cell than I was uh, driving around. In the in the documentary, you know, we have this these jailhouse calls, and yes. one of them he yeah. talks about how I didn't have my freedom. Um, 
or they go, he's talking to one of his, uh, his assistants and he says, well, I, I don't have, I, there's only one thing I, I don't have now that I, that I didn't, that I had before. And the guy says, your freedom. He goes, no, I didn't have my freedom. It's my daughter. Yeah. And that was really all he knew. And I think there, that was super telling. It's like what I didn't have was my, my freedom. I wasn't free. Yeah. The, the, the other, uh, I, just enormous pressure. The other yeah. thing that was real telling to me, which, you know, I looked at it and I said, yeah, a lot, a lot went on in this guy's life, but ultimately he did what he did. Right. And sure. so the right. one thing, Dan, when he, when his agent calls him and says, I'm still trying to get deals for you. And oh, he yeah. says to him, yeah. can you get me a deal with Smith and Wesson? I was like, okay, right. this, this, yeah. this guy's off. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> a lot going on there, but man, you're going to say that on a jail on call, a jail call. Uh, to boot. How, so how about when you listen to those tapes that we have, and there's, you know, hours more. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you listen to those tapes, I don't believe I'd have to rewatch the documentary at any time. He speaks in the same voice to any person. Yeah. He's a total chameleon. He talks to his mom one way, yeah. his assistant, another way, his agent, his girlfriend. It, it's like he, he could operate in all of these different ways. Like the Smith and Wesson line is, uh, you can, I mean, you can take it as, as pure gallows humor. It's yeah, really yeah, funny, yeah, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's a funny line. Sick, but it's right. like okay, like I'm, he's cracking jokes with this guy, and at the same time he's despondent. Over, and, and obviously, days, you know, out you can't be miserable for every hour of uh, even in prison. You can't be happy, obviously, every hour. But he, if you again, you look at it like Robert Kraft, the guy, and Alexander Bradley, the guy, and and all the different people, and that's why you get this. Um, you know, there's only a couple people that have been around him the whole time. And you get Patriots players going, man, you know, we thought he was a little, like, he's a little wild maybe, but man, he's a good guy, or I don't know. Or people say, well, you don't know him. Nobody knew everything about him. Like, nobody, his, his fiance knew a lot. She didn't know he was, he had a, had a different lifestyle, right? Sure. Uh, you know, the, the, the his friends that were, uh, he grew up with, Knew him as one way, but they didn't know that he was hanging out with Alexander Bradley. Alexander Bradley, didn't, you know, like everyone, it was all these little pieces. And so you think about a guy living all of it and can finally just be in prison to like, uh, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I wish we had those answers. Again. That's why Baez and those guys were stunned that he killed himself. I just they think know, it, nobody knew him. I think the right. one thing he was really good at was compartmentalizing. Mm-hmm. I said it earlier because yep. there were so many things. I just want to touch on. Um, you know, a lot of people say because he wasn't able to come out and, and live who he was, that there was a lot of rage in there. And I think there's truth to that. There's obviously there always was a stigma, right, of being a, a gay player in the NFL. Right. How is that been sure. reversed, if you will, Dan? The NFL has gotten a lot better. Sure. Has it not? I would think so. Um, I think society's gotten a lot Correct. better yes. really quickly. Yeah. Yes. Right. Um. And, but I don't, you know, I don't know. Uh, it would still seem to me to take enormous, um, courage, courage to come out both just quietly and let alone publicly. But we're seeing a lot more players do it. So, right. But you, I, yeah. I, and I, I think everybody now, I mean, my, I guess my thing is most people in this country know at least one person who's out. Sure. If not many. And that's, that's important, right? So you start realizing like, you know, but is football still this, this, 
macho thing. And is there also this bit where it's like, don't ever give them another reason to cut you or look down on you. Yeah. Right? It's like so competitive. I, I don't know, but when he was there, yeah, no, he clearly felt that that had to be a, something to protect, uh, you know, with, with everything he, he had. I, I still, Dan, though, I, I think that you have the specter of his, his father, you know, I mean, what an influence. And I don't know how accepting it would have been had he come out to his father. So I think that that really formed his, um, Mindset, his, his, well. desi- you know, his, his intense, you know, need to keep it hidden because God forbid his father found out, you know, he saw what he did to his mom. I mean, who knows what he would have thought he would have done to him. Yeah, had absolutely, his father absolutely. found out. Yeah. You know, I think that, and, and it, that might've been a problem. Even if, if his father had been alive and he's doing successfully, how do you come yeah, out? Right. Agreed. We have the stuff in there, the other players that right. had to deal with it. It's so, such a, such an emotional thing. The yes. last uh, topic I want to hit on, which I think is an important one. Um, CTE, it's chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Uh, don't try to say it three times fast. Um, basically, it's it's injuries to the brain. Head trauma. Yeah. They, uh, once he killed himself, the Hernandez family donated his brain. And I know, um, I don't have her name, Dan, you may, but there was a, like a world-renowned uh, brain surgeon, brain doctor that, that researched his brain. And she really uh, specializes in Alzheimer's, but it's all kind of right, related, right? right? And And dementia and all that stuff and so they, they said he had advanced cte uh you know my thing is though there's there's other players there's other people in life and you just have to be a football player that have cte but at the end of the day you're not murdering people so that's kind of where right. i am on that what about you dan uh, yeah I, I i look at cte you know wrote and talked to so many different people about it you know, you do have these incidents, right? Okay, see, so you, you know, there's OJ of CTE. There was the um, there was a guy who played for the Patriots a little bit. He had a, a mass murder down in South Carolina where he shot up a bunch of people last year. Um, you know, so it can happen. My, my thing with CTE is like, A, not everyone gets it if you play football or whatever you play. And then it's sort of like if you smoke, too, you know, we I don't know you, everybody, but, you know, a lot of us <laughs> have like some uncle that smoked that smoked like two packs a day right. and he's like 85 years old, just pounding heaters all day. And you're yeah. like, how did the heck did this happen? And then there's someone who, you know, smoked a pack in high school and she's got breast cancer and yeah. you know, Oh God. Yeah. Right. I, like it, it's genetic. So, yes. you know, was is CTE and, and I'll go back to what I said earlier. Right. It's all these things, right. Was it the death of his father? I don't know. It probably didn't help. Did CT help? No. Did, did, you know, having a, a different lifestyle, did add up? No. Did the marijuana, the this, the this, the this, it all comes together in this perfect cocktail where you just have this unbelievably unique situation and, and tragic situation. Yeah. And just, um, no, go ahead. I'm I don't sorry. know. I mean, yeah. you saw the video. If you see those slides, like, you don't have to be a doctor to be like, something's wrong here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He had big holes in his brain. But you, you hit on it, Dan, and we talked about this uh, last week when we had a phone conversation. I, I, I think, you know, certain people, that play football or, or it doesn't have to be football. It can be any sport with your head heading a soccer ball. Unfortunately, I think it's genetic. Some people are more are predisposed to it. Like for me, I'll use me as an example. So uh, I played at the university of Massachusetts. Obviously I played high school in pop Warner. So I played when I was younger. That I was can't, episode I, one. Yeah. It was episode one. If you want to listen, Oh uh, no, I carried the ball a thousand times basically in competition. So that's a thousand times that I was hit. Right. Uh, you know, a couple I got in the end zone, not getting hit, but you get the gist a thousand times. Not counting practice, we hit back then in the, in the 1990s. Sure. I mean, you hit in practice. Right. I mean, you saw so a ton of times in practice. 
Had a cup and a half of coffee in the NFL. Didn't hit as much. Played in NFL Europe. But, I mean, my head, I, I, I hit a lot. And so I was in one of the, the CT NFL lawsuits. Obviously, after I got done playing, I got contacted. And kind of everyone kind of got roped into these lawsuits. And my thing was, I didn't think I was going to get money. But my thought was, okay, if I'm 70, 80 years old and I do come down with, a, with dementia or something, and it can be traced back to, to the NFL or to playing football, sure. I didn't want to be a burden on my family. Sure. So, but... The reason I bring it up is I did all the tests. The NFL gave me all the tests. I went here in Orlando. I went to multiple doctors, did all the tests, and flying colors. I mean, I had no issues. Knock on wood. Right. You know, thank God for thank that. God, yeah. um, and so I'm a person that just, you know, my head structure, I really believe, is is just a, a different. That could withstand it, but some people can't. And it, it's it's unfortunate. Now, I will say this with... With this case and other cases, Junior Seau, I think the NFL and all of football really has doing the best they can. Equipment, sure, education, teaching young people how to tackle the proper way. We see it in college football with right. people hate targeting, Dan. I'm one of the analysts that I, I understand the rule. I know why the rule's there. It's there as much to protect the tackler as it is like the, the receiver that's getting hit over the middle. And eventually that will it will that rule and, and different rules will legislate the way kids learn to tackle yeah. at a younger age and it's it, it does help the game. So I get it. it it's an issue and but I think, you know, for the football fans out there, I think the powers to be are doing everything they can. And then of course, I think in the NFL, especially and in college for that matter, a lot less contact during the week is you know, and so they're they're doing all the right things. Minimizing that. That. They're not doing Oklahoma drills when you're two ten year olds, you know, ten year olds, <laughs> which, to play Pop Warner, which we did, right? And right, which which used to be the big thing. Yeah. So, um, no, I I, uh, I agree, it, and it's all just trying to lower the, the 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 hits, right? I mean, you just don't know um, because you can get it. Uh, yeah, you can get it playing at a young age, and you get to where Hernandez. I mean, there's that one shot in the. Um, in the movie where he gets hit by Ray Lewis right. and, and yeah. head to helmet to helmet. And it's, you know, we're talking Ray Lewis here. Yeah. <laughs> if you had to give me one guy, I'd least like to get hit by in the NFL history of the national football. It's probably Ray Lewis. So, you know, you just wonder like how much damage did that one do? Yeah. Um, right. And the thing is he was done at 23. Yeah. He only played until he was 23 years old, played three seasons in the NFL three seasons of Florida and obviously three, four seasons at, at Bristol central high school, but it was enough to cause that. So, you know, I think football has responded pretty well. I mean, you either play the game, or you don't, and you're right about teaching them how to tackle. One of the ways they took fighting, they limited fighting in the NHL is they basically police the junior leagues and the youth leagues. So heavy now, right. The kids don't learn how to tackle, don't, don't learn how to body check and, and play that way. So there's less of it. Now, Dan, I'm sorry. I want to just come back to one thing. I, you know, I listened, I watched the, the documentary and I was listening today and I think I never heard uh, about these other two guys is Ortiz and Wallace. So please forgive me. I know we were going a little long, but my last question is what was their testimony in, in, in the trial? Did they testify in trial? They did not because they, they were arrested. Okay. And then one of them was acquitted in his trial. Okay. Uh, and then they just dropped the charges on the other. Okay. Uh, it was basically that they were at the mercy of Hernandez. Okay, so that's uh, any statement. Did they give? They gave some statement, I guess. 
I, I'd have to, I don't want to mischaracterize okay. that. That's okay. a pretty serious case. Right. But they never really gave a statement that's public, but they, there was a trial, um, or sure. I, I, yeah. Basically their thing was he hired us to like, you know, drive him around. Okay. His body okay. We didn't know he's going to kill somebody. Okay. And, you know, I do think that is a reasonable, the, the, the defense tried to paint, Ortiz and Wallace is like these hardcore gangsters that were controlling Hernandez. Right. And it's just, Hernandez is the one requesting they come up. Hernandez had the money, the fame, the power, all right, of it. Right, right, uh, I think, or one of them, I don't want to say which one, because, uh, you know, I'm trying to be sure. fair. One of them was like, his previous conviction was as a bike thief. He stole bikes. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. They weren't hard. They weren't Alexander Bradley. Yeah. Okay. This all is right. Bristol, Connecticut. Right. You know, again, like, it's not, not, you'll have, some bad people in every town, but this is not, he was, they were not Alexander Bradley. So it was okay. like, but this is all he had to protect him. Okay. And so that was kind of it. But yeah, that, they did not testify at trial. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, Dan, thank you so much for joining us. I think people will enjoy this podcast. It's going to probably, uh, perk, perk things up in their, in their minds to probably, you know, go watch that documentary again. It's a phenomenal job. And I also want to say for people out there, if you have, you know, an eight to 13 year old, Dan's got a series of books, Epic Athletes. We're talking about Lionel Messi, uh, Alex Morgan, uh, Serena Williams. I mean, great players. And, oh, by the way, he did one on a guy by the name of Tom Brady who just announced <laughs> yeah. he's coming. Well, Dan, he's what was that, back. a 40-day 40, 40 retirement? That's, uh, that sounds about right. 40 days. He went through Lent. That's it. He gave I up wonder football. what he gave, he gave up. up. Yeah, he, he gave, gave up football, football for yeah. Lent. And yeah. now it's, it's, oh, it's soon to be over, <laughs> he and he's coming back. He, he goes, these last few months have, have, and I go, it was 40 days. If 40 days feels like multiple months, it's time to get back to work. It's like, oh, <laughs> it yeah. wasn't he needs, months. It he was needs to find a hobby. Months. Yeah, you probably need to. That, that, that was a bracket buster on Selection Sunday for sure yeah, when that news that broke. So, But, Dan, thank you so much, my friend. We'll, uh, we'll catch up down the road. Thank Appreciate you, Dan. It. Good luck with the podcast. I'll, I will be a listener. So, thank you, Dan. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank Thanks, you, Dan. Guys. The great Dan Wetzel. Well, that was interesting. Love it. Yeah, and again, this is a this is a topic, a case. There's so many kind of tentacles to it, if you will. Sure. And so hopefully we kind of gave it justice a little bit. It's fascinating. But I think for our first one, and to have a guest, people are like, how do, they're probably like, how the hell did they get someone like Dan Wetzel, New York Times bestselling author? Well, they, all they had to say was Beefer was involved with that's it. Right. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll Beef, do it. No problem. I'm here. I'm yeah. here. But that, that was great stuff. So, uh I think, hey, listen, I'm a little pressed. set the bar first, high now. First, I didn't say, I'll never I'll forget, forget in this you episode. Well, you just said it now. So that's good, because right. um, my balls got busted by a lot of people for that. But I caught myself in it. <laughs> um, but, no, I think it was a great first yes. crime and sports episode. Yep. So we'll have another one next week. I, this one I knew was going to be a little longer. Yeah, we're long. Next week's going to be shorter. Right. I got an idea of one, and I, we'll, we'll, we'll let it out once it, once we get it. We had a couple things on the burner, but... Uh, Again, if you liked what you heard, especially today, because it was kind of a transition sure. into true crime, give us those five stars. Give us a write-up. It helps us move up the ladder uh, in the podcast world. But uh, we're getting there. We're going to start hammering some of these true crimes now. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, really interesting. It was, uh, it was nice to be able to watch the documentary and then talk to the person that put it together and was in it. it, it I, his take on this whole case was just fascinating. He, he so knows more about yeah. this case yeah. as a journalist. He's invested more into it than anyone. That's why when the listener had asked, I said, I, I got to get Dan on here. And so, and then again, all the cases we do, 
are going to have open sources out there, mm-hmm. articles and, and TV shows. So, yeah, I, I just think uh, this is going to be a fun endeavor yeah, that as we fun. push along. So, again, give us five stars. We appreciate it. Great stuff. We will see you next week on the Professional Rookies Podcast. Have a good day, everybody.